When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen is your 2021 world champion. The final showdown in Abu Dhabi saw Verstappen taking victory after a dramatic last lap pass. Lewis Hamilton led the majority of the race and looked set to come home triumphant until a safety car was brought out following a crash by Nicholas Latifi, and the race was restarted. Lots to unpack today, and I'm joined in person by Luke Smith, Autosports F1 reporter, and Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy at Motorsport Network. We're going to start things the way we always do, guys. Race ratings. Luke, you go first. A nine, I think we've got to say. like, If you say 10 is like the perfect Formula 1 Grand Prix, I think this is... It's it's up there. And I'm, I mean, I'm not going to sort of say there was like fights right the way through the race or anything like that but there was so much going on there were so many twists so many turns I think that when Lewis Hamilton made that early lead and you thought okay I think he might have got this then we saw Perez slowing him down then we saw Max coming back into it then we saw Lewis pull away again then the safety car and uh, just like honestly this is this is up there with 2008 for me in terms of like the drama in a title decider so uh yeah let, let's go with a nine i don't know what would make it a 10 but yeah honestly what a race how much of that was down to the track changes um probably needs a little bit more of analysis probably not a lot luke's shaking his head at me it's not no, <laughs> no it's not. but um in terms of it being an enjoyable grand prix then definitely that's got to be up there but as i'm sure we're going to come on to debate I guess the what kind of came about and I think this goes for a lot from what I've seen on Twitter um it kind of soured the end result which as Luke said was just out of this world you know how poignant I guess that the 2021 season ends in such kind of chaotic's the wrong word but such impactful controversial Last lap drama, I think 2008 is a great analogy. I mean, that was equally quite controversial in in the end, but for different reasons. Um, Definitely had the same vibes about it. So, But there's a lot, a lot of very disappointed fans. And I don't just mean Hamilton fans. I mean, there are some very disappointed people out there that are saying that this race was maybe more about the entertainment factor than it was about racing. And so I'm really, I don't know what to, I don't know what to give it because, you know, did it, did it have points in it where it lulled? Yes. Was it the most outrageous race we've had this season? No. Um, in terms of on-track um, on track action. But yeah, I think I, I really, I'm struggling to give it a rating um, 
but I know you're going to ask me for you one. You do have to give it a rating. So I'm going to say I'm going to say an eight. I'm not going to go quite as high as a nine. Um, and I think that is just because I I just inside cannot give it a nine. I honestly have not even processed everything yet. So this podcast is going to be fab because as I was saying to you just now, Jess, I don't even know where to start with this race. I feel like there is so much to unpack and rating wise, I'm just, my mind is like a blur of everything that has just happened. So come back to me maybe at the end of the pod. Okay. Once we've we'll unpacked get a rating it, then, yeah. yeah, and we might be able to get there. But right, let's let's get into it. And we're not going to start with the start of the race because I know that people tuning in are probably going to want to listen straight away about everything that's unfolded since the race finished. Um, so Jess or Luke, whoever wants to go first, talk us through what unfolded in those last few laps and then we'll move on to the protest and everything that's happened after the race. But just talk us through how it actually got to that point. So we had the safety car deployed with six laps remaining after Nicholas Azifi uh, crashed at turn 14. That then, uh, yeah, that obviously set off a, a few pit stops and, and everything like that. Mercedes decided to keep Hamilton out right the way through that. And then as we were ticking down towards the closing stage, I think there were some questions as to would the race resume or not? Would we finish behind the safety car or, or not? In the end, the race director decided to resume the race with one lap to go. Now, the confusion was that I think with a couple of laps remaining, he gave a call saying lapped cars will not be allowed to overtake. And then on the penultimate lap, that call was reversed to say that some lapped cars, which were Lando Norris, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel could overtake the safety car. So they were allowed to do that. And then that was quickly followed by safety car period ending. We're going back to green next lap. So basically that removed all the cars that were between Hamilton and Verstappen on track for the restart. Uh, that then led to that incredible final lap that I'm sure everyone listening will have have watched and, and absolutely reveled in. Uh, Verstappen launching up the inside of Hamilton into turn five, Hamilton trying to fight back, Verstappen in the end being able to hold on to the position as they uh, got out of turn nine. And, and that was that cross the line, two seconds clear to win the race and win the world championship. What then followed was Mercedes lodged two protests with the FIA stewards on two grounds. One of them was about had Verstappen overtaking Hamilton behind the safety car. And that was as they were sort of slowing down before the restart uh, on the on the penultimate lap of the race. And the second one was surrounding uh, the decision to restart the race. Had the FIA actually followed its own regulations in terms of allowing lap cars to come through? Had all of the lap cars come through? They hadn't. And sort of the questions there. Uh, so that's led to two hearings tonight, both of them and have been dismissed by the FIA stewards. Why have they been dismissed, Luke? So on the overtaking uh, manoeuvre, the stewards said that although it was admissible and it was recognised that at one point Verstappen maybe did slightly edge ahead of Hamilton, that it was kind of standard procedure. That's what happens when drivers are going slowly, particularly just before the restart. They do go side by side a lot. And that once they got to the safety car line, Hamilton was ahead. So that was quite easily thrown out. The second one was the more contentious one. It was, did the FIA actually follow its own own regulations and Mercedes cites an article of the rules that says that uh, once the race director gives the call for lapsed cars to pass through that uh, you then go racing on the following after the, at the end of the following lap I believe that's how it's worded so that would theoretically mean that we should have finished the race under the safety car so Mercedes went to the stewards and said that we should have therefore amended the results under the international sporting code to the end of the penultimate lap which would have meant Lewis Hamilton would have won the race and uh, in the end the stewards threw this out they said that there was another article of the regulations that overrode the one that Mercedes had cited. Uh, Michael Massey, he also explained that there's always been this idea of that we don't want to finish a race under a safety car. We do want some green flag running. So that is why we did go racing with one lap to go. Um, it's been a very controversial evening. Um, Verstappen and Red Bull, they both said that they're happy. It's the right decision that's been made. Um, yeah, Christian Horney said it was uh, a bit desperate by Mercedes to seek the action he did, but he's glad that they've uh, come to the decision they have. Mercedes has lodged its intention to appeal. Now, what that means is now that they've now got 96 hours to formalise that appeal and take it to the FIA International Court of Appeal. Uh, they may decide not to, but we'll see how they pursue it. Um, I think through all of this, it's worth noting that Toto Wolff and Mercedes haven't made any official comment or spoken to the media beyond that. Um, Michael Massey, he has not spoken to the media either this evening. Um, 
Yeah, and it's. I think in the coming days they will obviously address all of it. They will, but I think we're at a point now where, yeah, everyone's kind of looking at okay, how do we approach this and what do we do? Uh, but for now, Max Verstappen is the 2021 world champion. Um, and I, well, for now, sorry, that sounds a bit um, like oh, it may change, but uh, no, I think that. Yeah, it's been a crazy day, but Max is king. Jess, what are your thoughts and feelings about how things unraveled in terms of the protests and what do you think we might see next as well? Yeah, I think this this race was almost this entire F1 season condensed into one Grand Prix. We had you know, uh, turn one uh, battles between the two title contenders we had some great racing. We had Sergio Perez, which I know we're going to come on to talk about, um, giving some absolute worldly performance today. Um, definite MVP if he wasn't even if he wasn't given driver of the day. But um, it, it also showed us, unfortunately, the kind of darker side of the season or the more disappointing side of the season, which has sometimes come from the inconsistencies that are governing the championship. And I think the the biggest thing, and, and again, the reason why Mercedes are so upset, other than having the championship kind of pulled out from underneath them on the last lap, is that the decision seemed wildly inconsistent. Um, I think the problem that we saw was, was as, as Luke kind of alluded to earlier, was that it was so close to the end of the race. And so originally we thought, all right, he's not allowing, you know, the, the, dire- the direction is that they're not allowing um, the lapped cars to unlap themselves is because we don't have enough laps to the end of the race to clear the car, which Michael Massey said was his, obviously his main priority was to make sure that the, the car was cleared, the incident was dealt with and that we that it, was, it was safe to continue. Um, and then to get to have green racing again. Um, so... That was always going to be a bit of a tight, a tight thing to be able to manage. But it was the, it was then the decision to go back on that original decision that caused. I mean, in the media center, everyone was completely and utterly shocked. I think yeah, they were always going to lodge the intention to appeal because that always buys you more time, basically. But I think that yeah, and I, I kind of do think back to Brazil when Mercedes didn't pursue action over Hamilton's exclusion from qualifying because they were like, we want to win this on track. We want to do things for the the good of the sport and in the spirit of the sport. And part of me does wonder if they'll ultimately sort of go down a, a similar kind of route with things with this, whether they'll say, look, let's just, let's have a gala, let's crown Max, let's just accept it as it is. Because yeah, you do wonder, like, it's basically, it would be putting the FIA up against its own stewards, which is a, a strange situation and not unprecedented. That's happened in the past and the FIA, um, yeah, that, that has resulted in in decisions being overturned. But yeah, I, I do wonder sort of how, how that will play out. Um, I think that there are big questions to be asked. And again, Jess, I've had DMs of people and sort of like friends from school and like even one of my old school teachers asked me, messaged me and just totally out of the blue and was like, oh, this is a farce. Like, I don't want to watch F1 again. And I'm like, oh, it's... And that's such a shame. Like, that kills me because we want people to be coming to the sport. And I've been bigging today up to all of my friends who have any interest in any sports being like, just watch it. If you don't know about F1, watch it because you will love this sporting spectacle. And to me, this was, in terms of, I mean, what a last lap, fight and pass to decide the championship that's as good as it gets really but it is just this confusion and the rules and just like that that is just so bizarre and I think that throughout the season we've spoken a lot on this podcast and and in the media about the inconsistency about stewarding decisions about race control and I think that for the season to have ended like this it is just sort of yeah questions about okay was that the right thing to do and okay if we want to go back back racing fine but there should be sort of clarity in a clear process i didn't understand why it was the lap cars can't pass and they can pass george russell was very punchy on twitter calling it um unacceptable a lot of other drivers were asked were more sort of um restrained the ferrari boys said it was uh, a weird strange with the words that they used matir bonotto sat on the fence so well saying oh well we have to trust race control but also it's merck's rights process so we'll see um but yeah it's it's really divided opinion um from here yeah i think that mercedes will obviously look at every avenue because you're not going to give up a world championship particularly if you feel you've been uh, you've had it snatched off to you uh un uh, in an unrightful manner then yeah you're obviously going to chase that but it's uh yeah it's also about what does this do for f1 and ultimately if this does rumble on and on will the FIA sort of look at its own decisions and go oh we could have 
stop this long before it became an issue uh, I don't know but it definitely raises big questions I think going into the winter and as we look towards next year and in terms of time scales as just mentioned we have the uh, gala on Thursday what sort of time scales are we looking at for this appeal if Mercedes do go through with it like could it be months could how how long do we think this could run on for truthfully i don't know the question to that without looking it up um but uh, i don't know the answer to that without looking it up sorry uh but it's uh yeah i think that it wouldn't be i don't think it'd be a, a quick thing if yeah. this were to from what i'm hearing everyone is saying that they're expecting this to drag on for yeah a, yeah because it would be does it go to the ice uh, um international court of appeal or would it go to the um court of arbitration for sport which would be a, a wider thing but uh yeah i mean there are there are many avenues that could be explored with this if mercedes were absolutely determined that we we feel this is not right um and there yeah it, it could rumble on and on um, but obviously we've got christmas coming up and stuff so it's uh yeah are we going to go into 2022 still with this rumbling on about who's won the championship in 2021 it's it's crazy we had such a good season. We came into the season finale with the title contenders equal on points. We had on-track battles, which again were slightly controversial. Like, you know, that the first move um, into, that, yeah. into the hair boom was controversial. <laughs> um, but you know, that seems so insignificant now yeah. because it could all be taken away from everybody, everyone, the fans, the teams. You know, the amount of people involved in this championship that have, you know put everything into 22 races and for it all to be decided in a courtroom would just be I think just the the ultimate insult um but again like this is the way the sport is governed this is the way that we have done everything up until up until now so yeah I can understand why people are disappointed I'm disappointed I think, you know, usually we come off the back of this race. I mean, usually we come off the back of this race with the title decided weeks ago. Um, yeah. But, you know, when we have had a title decider here, it's it's always been, you know, we have this sense of jubilation and, and part, it's party time, right? I mean, Abu Dhabi has, you know, the Yasmina circuit has some of the best facilities in Formula One. We've said this time and time again. And that's for everyone, not just us as media but for the teams for the fans it's such a such a great circuit but it just felt hollow and flat and yeah well I mean Ariana I remember speaking to you at the beginning of the week about the postseason blues and how hard they can hit and how much sometimes you have to really kind of just zero in on the fact that you know not to let it take control of you and you should get too down about it because that that has happened to me in the past but I, I don't even know how to feel right now. And of course it is 1am, but, um, <laughs> but it is just, it's just such a, such a shame that it's going to potentially roll into, into January if Mercedes does decide to appeal. But as Luke said, they've decided not to appeal before. And maybe they just do want to say that we'll push it as far as we possibly can. Yeah. It's, it's a very standard thing that I think probably the most recent precedent for this was when Vettel got disqualified in Hungary and literally the moment because you you have a very short window the moment Aston Martin could they said right let's put in our notification and the intention and you just buy yourself more time so that's all Mercedes have done here they're going to probably pour over it over the next yeah coming days to look at every avenue what can we do what's our case what's this what's that and then they'll decide do we want to proceed or not and I think that yeah I think so yeah, it could rumble on for weeks, but it could also all be done by Thursday. So we will see. We will see indeed. Uh, let's actually talk about what we saw on track though today, uh, now that we've unpacked everything that has unfolded uh, after the checkered flag. Um, let's try and do it more chronologically now. Uh, so at the race start, of course, we were all gearing up for a very exciting race start. We had the both out title uh, rivals on the front of the grid, Max on the softs, Lewis on the mediums. Thought it would be quite spicy. I think lots of people also were expecting Max to have quite an advantage, obviously, on the softs, but Lewis did manage to take the lead. Jess, what were your thoughts on that race start? Yeah, again, you know, we've seen Max struggle with uh the clutch sometimes and and that has given uh lewis the advantage a couple of times or whoever's lining up against max when he's had these problems in the past so um that was something that came back to haunt him right at the moment when he didn't want it to 
So, you know, I mean, Lewis got a great start. Max, not such a good start. And that was it. We thought, oh, crikey, here we go. Whoever leads into turn one, we kind of said, is probably going to win the race. And off Lewis shot. Um, and, you know, it looked like he was going to start pulling away, but I guess it was because Max was on the softer compound than Lewis that he was able to kind of charge back at him. Um, and it wasn't too long before he had a, had a go to try and take that lead back again. Um, which, are we ready to dive into that? Shall do we it, unpack do it, it? Do it, do it, do it. Yeah, interesting one. Controversial again. Um, it did seem again when we were listening to the FIA radio, which I have a feeling is going to disappear next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. unfortunately, just because I think it's painted race control to be a bit chaotic. It's also raised a lot of eyebrows about how much the top two teams influence race direction. Um, I mean, the call, the call, not to go back to the calls at the end of the race, but the calls from Toto Wolf especially seems to be, well, desperation. You can understand why, but, you know, that's not for him. It's not for a team to decide when a safety car is getting deployed or not deployed or what. Um, so I have a feeling they will, they will uh, disappear. But uh, Michael Massey did it again at the beginning of the race, did seem to be wanting to give the teams what they'd asked for, which is just let them race. Um, but that, I thought that was borderline, um, the turn nine incident, right? Borderline, um, a hairpin, seven. Sorry, it's, uh, yeah, 1am, I'm getting my corners wrong. This is why Luke's here to correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the move itself, ah, I was so conflicted because at the beginning I was like, Max, that's never going to happen. That's, you've got in, you've got in too tight. You're not going to, but he kept it within the white lines. Just, Just, but he did. But he did. But he did. Um, had he, I guess, the thing that we've got haunting us, I guess, is the fact that on a number of occasions now, Max has pushed Hamilton off the track which is what happened here. Hamilton ran out of road. There was nowhere for him to go. They would have collided. And, I mean, Max knows this, right? They collide. He's world champion. He's got a lot less to lose. Hamilton has a lot more to lose. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was kind of a let's just send it and see. But I can't decide. I think the... the the thing that was, a, I guess, a bit of a confusion was the fact that Hamilton then took off over the runoff area um, and seemed to just zoom off down into the distance, which obviously the FIA then told him to give up, but Red Bull didn't think that was enough. Um, so they were very, very adamant that he should be penalised for gaining last year advantage by going off track. As we've come to expect with Max this season, as we've seen very aggressive, very much that I, I'm going for this place. Lewis did have to yeah, back out to to avoid the collision. The reaction from, I thought that was very interesting, from lots of racing drivers on um, Twitter especially, was why isn't there gravel there? Why don't you put gravel on the outside of the corner? Why, like, why isn't that a thing? Because otherwise then Hamilton can't just sort of takes the runoff area and cut as he did and, and all of that um yeah it was I, I agree Jess it was very very borderline I thought it was very very aggressive by Max that ultimately he did make the corner with his left front wheel was just inside the white line still but on the right hand side of the car that was that was beyond the white line but one one in is that, that's fine and it was uh yeah it was it was it was bold really really bold but exciting as well and that's what we've come to expect from max this season um i think that yeah hamilton yeah he, he look he took the evasive action but i think it was it was very very similar to what we saw in what we saw in Jeddah when verstappen did sort of basically yeah send it and really really force home the point um and in that instance max was told to give up the position he had to do that for the for the um red flag restart so i think there are some similarities there um, yeah, but it was, it was one hell of a move. And the moment he hit, the, he hit the brakes and you saw that he was pointing down the inside, I thought, oh no, let, don't end it like this. Like what, what's going to happen here? Um, and, uh, in the end it was actually, yeah, incredible that he got it stopped in time. He, he thought he was ahead. A really bold move by Max as we've come to expect all season. Uh, yeah, very, very borderline. I think we were very shocked that the stewards didn't want to investigate it. Yeah, even, and um, Massey did say to Jonathan Wheatley over the radio, they they looked at it, which is kind of like a, it's not a, an official investigation or anything. But uh, yeah, they, they looked at it and they were they, they were happy with, uh, with what Hamilton had done and that he didn't, 
he gave back the time that he gained by taking to the runoff areas he did but yeah it's again it does raise questions about consistency which is the wider issue ongoing through the season and I think that had the race ended with Hamilton winning the championship and perhaps we'd not had that late safety car and everything then yeah I think Red Bull and, and Christian Horner and co would have been asking some serious questions saying like well where's consistency like why wasn't that treated the same way that uh, Max was in Jeddah so uh, yeah but then you can also argue the opposite and say that well Lewis had to take evasive action otherwise there would have been a crash between them so it's uh, yeah very very borderline now after that of course the race continued gap started to build uh, we had the pit stops and then we had Lewis Hamilton coming up against Checo <laughs> that was a treat to watch in terms of racing I mean it was absolutely fantastic it is what we love to see the wheel-to-wheel action Jess I know you were a huge fan of it what what were your thoughts I mean how were you feeling as you were watching that because everyone I was with was like on the edge of their seats literally like oh oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen in a way it's made me angry at Checo and not because he held what? up Hamilton no, no I'm angry because I've wanted to see that consistently like genuinely like I was rooting for you like why didn't you why couldn't you show that like the whole time that was magic I have never seen maybe the only other time was um, when he won the um, Sakir Grand Prix his first win that was when we saw out and out the brilliance of Checo Perez and again we saw it here I could not believe just how strong of a battle he had and the fact that he kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back on my I add dying softs so I mean well, how many laps have he done by then 21 laps on those softs so I think you know that was just a wonder a wonder to watch but yeah it made me angry with him because I was like where was this the rest of the season maybe you could have been in contention a little bit more but you know Ultimate, ultimate team player. I think that is probably his 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 summary for the entire weekend. You know, he gave Max the toe in qualifying and sacrificed his own qualifying position to make sure that his teammate would be absolutely up at the front. And then again today, he did, he did absolutely... If it wasn't for Checo, I don't... Well, obviously, we'll maybe we'll never know because other things could have happened in the race. But, I mean, Max all of a sudden was right on the back of, of Lewis. And Max himself said in the post-race press conference, I would not be sat here if it was not for Checo. Like he was straight up about that. Checo basically won me this race and won me this world championship. And yeah, it was it was really incredible. And the moment that Red Bull gave the call and said, look, hold Hamilton up, I thought, okay, well, maybe it'll be a few corners or whatever. And um, you saw Hamilton lining up a move. I actually got halfway through typing a tweet thinking oh, I'm about to send this being like oh Checo gave him the call to hold up Hamilton but Lewis has got passed with DRS and he's got the place and that's that but Perez just fought back and fought back and yeah I, I do agree to some extent Jess that yeah it's kind of the Checo we've wanted to see all year but it was it was masterful it was tactical it was wily it was what we want to see in these F1 title deciders and I think that the decisive lap where he really cost Hamilton all of his time it was something like six or seven seconds slower than Max's lap like that's it, the app went from eight seconds to one second in one lap it just incredible absolutely incredible brilliant teamwork by Red Bull really really clever stuff and that really saves Max's race and his championship so I think just a brilliant bit of teamwork by Red Bull um, what a race from uh, Checo and uh, yeah DNF'd in the NG2 uh, uh, the, the car not looking too great was how Red Bull worded it and uh, thought it best to retire him but he was yeah outstanding today and did exactly what a good wingman should be doing and helping his uh, teammate win that title he did indeed. Uh, obviously not ideal that he was not able to finish, but he certainly did the job that Red Bull wanted him to do today. Let's stick on the teammates conversation for a moment longer before we continue unpacking the race. And let's talk about Valtteri Bottas because he obviously started further down the grid anyway. He was not where Mercedes would have wanted him for this finale. Uh, but then he just sort of 
he wasn't in the race really at all. He was not able to be there and support the same way that Checo did. I had a chat to Valtteri Bottas. He oh. came over to the media pen uh, with a can of Tiger beer in his hand and he put it on the table in front of us, cracked it open, went, cheers, boys. And I was like, good man. So he's, uh, yeah, um, it, was, no, it was a difficult final race for Valtteri Bottas, obviously. And um, they uh, they did go long on, on the mediums, but he wasn't able to make a massive amount of headway in terms of trying to get the overcut. He lost a couple of places off the start as well, which was, uh, yeah, quite tricky. And um, yeah, towards the end of the race, he wasn't, he wasn't pitted under the late safety car, so that meant he got overtaken by uh, Sonoda and Gasly on that final lap as well, so he ended up sixth. But yeah, a, a difficult race, and not how he would have wanted to obviously end his time with Mercedes. They have won the Constructors' Championship, yeah. so that's that's job done on that front, and that's very good. But he said, like, it does feel like a defeat today. Like, it feels like we've lost because Lewis didn't win the Drivers' Championship, and that's that's the main prize. That's what we're really all here for. So yeah, I've, uh, yeah, a difficult one for, for Valtteri, and I think that... It's it's a shame because, yeah, I think with Valtteri, we've seen a lot of... It's kind of one or two ways, isn't it, with him. He's either dominant and no one can beat him or a bit, oh, just, you just want to see a little bit more. And today, unfortunately, was was the latter. Um, so, yeah, a difficult race for him. Didn't make the headway he, would, he should have and needed to really at the start. Mercedes, I think they had a decent buffer in the constructors, so it never really looked at risk. But, yeah, I think you would have wanted to see a little bit more from him. But he, um, yeah, he seemed pretty, he seemed pretty, pretty downbeat after the race, which I think is to be expected after all that's happened. But um, yeah, that is the end of his Mercedes chapter, and he'll be in the car with Alfa Romeo next week in Abu Dhabi to, uh, yeah, begin that new story. He may have seemed downbeat when you spoke to him, but I then did see him running. Just he's jumped into the harbour, <laughs> hasn't he? Jumping into the fully clothed. Oh, yes, fully clothed. Yeah. yes, in his in race, his race suit. suit. Wow. Yeah, um, so he was definitely having a good time there. Yeah, Maybe he had a few more Tiger beers by the time he did that. But. Yeah, to see off uh, the end of his career. But how do you reflect on his time as a Mercedes driver and as you know teammate to Lewis Hamilton, taking more of a step back, not looking at just this race specifically, but how do you reflect on Valtteri's time in Mercedes? What are your feelings towards how he's performed over the, all the years that he's been there? He was everything that Mercedes needed after the Rosberg years, and especially after 2016. The, you know, I know that a lot of people think that I'm hypercritical of Bottas. I think that, again, like just to reiterate my, the reasons behind that is because there's been a lot of expectation placed on Bottas, but that was never his job. His job was to never challenge Lewis. His job was to support him and to make sure that Mercedes would bring home the Constructors' Championship, which he did. He was a good number two. Somebody in the media pen, actually, before he came over, um, commented something like, oh, he's, that's probably the last race Valtteri Bottas could ever win. I think that's maybe a bit harsh because you never know what can happen. I think Checo is a great example of a driver who's kind of yo-yoed in terms of where he's gone on the grid. Uh, but yeah, I think that I agree, Jess. Like, he's done the job. Five years, five Constructors' Championship. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. Not many drivers in F1 history have five Constructors' titles. So I think fair play, like, really incredible job. On his day, he is untouchable. He's fantastic. He gets everything hooked up. He can beat Lewis Hamilton, which is no mean feat. And I think I'm I'm just now really excited to see what the next chapter of Valtteri's career is like, like what he does with Alfa Romeo. And I had a really good chat with um, Fred Vasseur in uh, Jeddah last weekend. And we, we, we had a good sort of 20 minute interview or whatever that will be on also sport over the winter and uh, he, he said that he just he's looking forward to seeing how Valtteri does outside of a shadow because he has let's face it been in Lewis Hamilton's shadow for all of these years he's been he has been the support he's not been the, the main man and he's had the opportunities and yeah he's, he's won races and he's gone his every season being like right this could be the year but it's never quite worked out but I think that yeah with with Alpha he's got a multi-year deal he's going to be the main man he's going to be the person I think they build that team around moving forward forward he's coming with tons of experience from a championship winning operation that's going to be so valuable to what alpha do so i think that's a win-win situation um yeah but it was it was i don't know i saw I, I felt for valtteri today i did because he before he came over to media pen he had this long long embrace with um his other half tiffany cromwell and it was yeah it was clear just that sort of emotion that a driver would feel at the end of such a, a tenure at the end of such a, a tough weekend even though you've won the title again because as he said it, it did feel like a defeat. But um, no, I'm very glad to hear he did jump into the into the harbour because uh, yeah, that suggests his spirits did lift somewhat. Right, let's turn our attention back to what we saw today. Um, so as the race continued to unfold, of course, Lewis did then get past Checo. Max then came through. 
gap did start to open again after that. And then we had the virtual safety car because of Antonio Giovinazzi parking up. Um, what went wrong with Antonio, first of all? Yeah, Giovinazzi's uh, retirement, uh, the team has just cited technical issues as being being the reason for his retirement. But then that did spark the virtual safety car. And that, I thought this was brilliant from Red Bull, that they saw a moment, they saw a chance, and they thought, look, we're going to save a heap of time. Let's bring Max in. It was only a 14 second, I think, is the um, the time lost when you pit under the virtual safety car. So that was really, really smart by Red Bull. And it was what they needed to do. And I think that Mercedes, they had that track position and they were probably reluctant to give that up. And they thought, well, look, if we pit Lewis now, he's going to come out behind Max, but on much fresher tyres and with a smaller gap than Max had to Lewis. And they, they they would have thought, but then the issue is we've got to overtake Max, which as we've seen this season, that's not an easy thing to do. So might that have played on their minds in terms of making that decision? I don't know. But for Red Bull, it was the, it was all they could do. Like It was quite clear if they just kept going as it was, they were not going to win the race or the World Championship. They had to do something. And that virtual safety car came at such the right time. Uh, part of me did wonder because it went on a fair while and Hamilton was just coming around to the pits as it was um, getting towards the end of it where the Mercedes would then pull him in, but they still kept him out. They wanted to keep that track position. So yeah, it was it was a really bold call by Red Bull. But the moment they did that, that's when I started to feel the race just turn a little bit more towards Verstappen and Red Bull. And yeah, really, really inspired call by them. So let's move on to our final podium spot, which was Carlos Sainz. And not only was he on the podium, but he also managed to secure that P5 in the driver's standings, beating his teammate Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris. They were very, very close in the standings going into today's race. Really, really solid end of the year for him. And what an impressive first year with Ferrari. Right, Luke? Yeah, fantastic. Really, really fantastic. He was a solid fourth right the way through that Grand Prix. And then when Perez had to retire, that meant that, yeah, he moved up into that podium position and he managed to just hold on at the end of the race for that P3. He didn't come in for another set of tyres uh, under the uh, late safety car, whereas uh, Sonoda and Gasly did. So they were able to catch him up uh, quite quickly. But yeah, a brilliant, brilliant drive. Gets him P5 in the standings. He was P7 going into the race. So that's brilliant. He beats Lando Norris, beats Charles Leclerc as well, which is no mean feat. Leclerc ends up seventh uh, with Norris sixth. So, uh, yeah, a great, great performance. Uh, he said that this felt like the one weekend where just every single thing like went right. Like everything just fell into place. He was really, really pleased with that. Mattia Bonotto, um, yeah, he said that he's just delighted with how science has been this season um he was asked oh is now the best time to try and uh, sort out his future he's got a contract for next year but sort of looking beyond that even and he said oh well we'll sit down over the winter and see how things go but yeah brilliant brilliant performance by him and i think it's just ferrari there's so much uh, and a colleague actually noted this to me there's there was a lot of good vibes coming out of that final media session today and whereas last year it was like oh thank god that season's over today it was like hey we've had a really good year but next year we're even more excited so yeah Carlos Sainz, brilliant, brilliant performance, richly deserved P3. Yes, I imagine Ferrari are feeling much more confident looking ahead to next year and a fantastic way to round off the year after, you know, some more difficult times earlier in the season as well, but they really, really have bounced back. Now, next up, we had we had Yuki Tsunoda. This is the thing, though. Whenever we have such an amazing race out the front, we don't have enough time to talk about the amazing performances in, in the midfield. And, and I'm sorry, I just want to quickly say, it's not just that he was P4 as well. He was very close to science. Half a it was second half a podium, second. Yeah. yeah, half a second. He had a good old ding-dong with Fernando Alonso kind yeah. of partway through the race, which Alonso was not very happy with. And it was, I guess, borderline, but... I mean, considering the season that Yuki's had, um, it's been, you know, he came, he came into this season, um, as a, as a rookie that, that was, you know, there was, do you remember the Yuki hype train at the beginning of the year? Like everyone was like, oh my God. You were the conductor, weren't you? (laughs) Choo choo! (laughs) Fully, fully invested in Yuki. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant in Formula 2. So I was really excited for him to come in and he did. I mean, he had a, he had a great, first couple of races and then it kind of the mistakes started to creep in and um he wasn't really able to get it together he, you know, we had the radio messages of him um being extremely sweary extremely frustrated very aggressive and it kind of took the shine off him a little bit and you know it was just kind of like not not quite there and you know Pierre Gasly who is somebody who we've been saying is, is one of the drivers of the season um 
you know, it just kind of he just kind of wasn't wasn't quite there, and you you, you wondered if actually he would be, he would remain. I mean, he questioned it. He, he was like, I don't well, know I why. He was like, oh, it's fifty fifty if I'll stay. And like, yeah, he's like, I don't know why they've signed. Didn't he say something like, I don't know yes. why they've signed me up? I keep damaging the car. Oh yeah. Um, which I mean, Yuki, it's Alfatari's best result in the year in terms of for a double points finish um so i mean again like it's it's not really a talking point because we've had so much else and also just quickly flipping back to carlos Sainz. i mean every time this guy has been on the podium it's been overshadowed <laughs> no by something cares. else no one cares when carlos Sainz is on the podium that poor guy genuinely so again uh, similarly with alpha tower is like you know, i wish we had more time on this podcast to talk about it because it's such it was it was it was great you know gasly went long I mean, he was, him and Alonso were the two last guys to pit. Um, so again, and then Yuki's tenacity, I think, um, was just, was just brilliant and, and, and brought home a, an amazing result for Alvadari. Yuki for so long has been saying my confidence is back like back to where I was in Bahrain when I started and I actually wrote after Saudi saying okay he's got the confidence back but he needs a result to back all of this up and he's finally got it he's ended the season with that a great performance and yeah uh, with Gasly and P5 as well a really good day for AlphaTauri uh, they fall just shy of Alpine in that fight for P5 and the constructors and I said to Pierre after the race I was like you've been more consistent but Alpine kind of had the bigger one-off results obviously the win in Hungary and he was like yeah well it's just the way it is but uh, but no he said like he's just so proud of what him and AlphaTauri and Yuki have done this season so yeah again another team where it's like it's good vibes to end the year so it was really really cool to see and a fantastic send-off for Honda as well yeah world champion and uh, also AlphaTauri getting a really really solid result there so yeah I'm sure they are very very happy but yeah, leaving leaving on a high, leaving on a high. Um, let's now talk, because we're running out of time, Luke, you're going to have to do like a mega rundown. <laughs> I'm just giving you the heads up now. But let's talk about Kimi, because final race of Formula 1 season came to a premature end. But it's, you know, that's a big loss, a big character leaving the sport, isn't it? It is, yeah. I So on the grid, I, I made a point of going down to sort of see Kimmy's car and everything like that. And it was lovely. He had uh, Mintu and his kids yeah. on the grid, which was really nice to see. All of his alpha mechanics were wearing special Kimmy t-shirts. Uh, Giovinazzi's crew were as well. And yeah, it was it was one of those races where and you saw he was far down the order. So obviously it's never going to be anything special to sign off. And then he, uh, he he had a spin and then ultimately retired. He said over the radio it was due to a brake issue, um, but it was actually uh, an issue with the left rear tyre that caused the spin and then the retirement in the end. And uh, he yesterday was meant to do the FI written media pen and didn't. And the FI went over to him and said, you need to do that tomorrow. And he was like, well, I don't want to. And they were like, you need to, like, come on. And he said, oh, I'll see. Uh, and I, I was still there and I thought he's not going to come over. And he came over and I was like, oh, fantastic. And he only spoke for about a minute or so, but he, he was very, very calm very nice and uh yeah and i sort of said like but well, that's it now like you're done and he said i'm just looking forward to going and getting my normal life now and and that's really the vibe we've got from him and i did a phenomenal interview with him on uh, friday he gave some really really interesting answers about f1 and life in the sport and that'll be again on autosport over the winter but yeah f1 is losing a huge huge character and i think that yeah on the grid i was kind of like okay we've got this amazing title fight and there's celebrities everywhere and whatever but the one thing I was most like, oh no, it's, it's Kimmy, like he's going. So yeah, sad to see him go. Sad it ends with the DNF because you never want to finish like that. But yeah, what a man, what a career. And we may never see him race again, but if so be it, then so be it because he's given so much to us. Yeah, those were lovely scenes with him and his family on the grid. They were so, so lovely. His kids are absolutely adorable. Jess, any words for Kimmy? Well, not for him. I'm, I don't know if he's listening to the podcast. Hi, Kimmy. <laughs> any, any words about Kimmy as we reflect on his final race? I mean, I think Luke put it brilliantly, but I mean, you know, he's just, he's one of the ultimate characters of the sport and we really are going to miss him and... I don't think it's ever going to be, nor do I hope it's ever going to be, you know, shoes for somebody else to fill. There'll only ever be one Kimi Raikkonen. It's the natural changing of the guard kind of thing. But yeah, Kimi, Kimi will be forever immortalised as, as such an intrinsic part of this, about, part of this championship. And, um, yeah, he'll be, he will be missed. Lando Norris P7. So he was the lead 
car who was lap that was allowed to unlap himself. He had a slow puncture on one of his tires, and that forced him into uh, the, an extra pit stop. That that's what prompted Mercedes to warn Hamilton as well, just to keep an eye on the tires and what they might be doing. But uh, yeah, P7, not the end of the year he would have wanted. And I think that his points haul in recent races doesn't really translate to the performances he's, he's put in. But anyway, uh, yeah, ends up seventh in the end. Uh, Alonso, P8, uh, Jess, you mentioned that fight he had with with Yuki. Um, Alpine, yeah, they didn't really have the pace to fight with, uh, I think, the Alpha Tauris or, or really um, any of the cars further ahead today. But still come over with a decent double points finish with uh, Alonso in eighth, Ocon in ninth uh, Ocon was yeah pretty pleased after the race he said it was a it was a good performance felt everything was good good with the car uh, Charles Leclerc in 10th place for Ferrari uh, he explained his weird off moment um, when he was uh, fighting with Sonoda and uh, when uh, Verstappen came out of the pit he said uh, Verstappen surprised him by coming out of the pit so that caused him to lose control a little bit and uh, and head off the racetrack uh, Sebastian Vettel in 11th place so he was one of the drivers who didn't uh, make a uh, late pit stop under the safety car uh, but he, he was waved through but uh, yeah he couldn't get close to any of the cars ahead of him because uh, yeah he'd not he'd not come in for a second time uh, Daniel Ricciardo in 12th not the way he would have really wanted to end his uh, his first season with McLaren he did make that final pit stop but because he wasn't waved through with the other cars that meant that yeah he was still a lap down basically so ended up 12th uh, Lance Stroll 13th similar story for him really uh, Mick Schumacher in 14th as well he was the only Haas driver in the race today uh, Nikita Mazepin tested positive for COVID-19 that meant uh, this morning he was ruled out Haas couldn't replace him because we're already well past the deadline in terms of who can step into that car after uh, practice and qualifying and whatnot uh, so we had 14 finishes Schumacher was the last uh, Sergio Perez he retired late on uh, Red Bull said the car wasn't looking too great and basically they didn't want Perez to cause a safety car out there so they thought it best to to, to bring him in uh, I know a few sort of conspiracy theories been floating around here and there but uh, yeah that was uh, that was Red Bull's explanation for it uh, Nicholas Satifi, who obviously had that crash that did ultimately decide the World Championship in the end. And I do wonder if Latifi might become the, is that a Glock moment? Like, is that how he's going to be remembered? Uh, he, after the race, he, he explained it. He said it was the fight with Schumacher and basically just pushing too hard to try and catch Schumacher. And that caused him to, uh, to crash as he did. Uh, he said he was totally unaware of any types of permutations or anything like that. So uh, again, Tim Ford hats have to come firmly off for him. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, yeah, we've talked about already. Um, yeah, he retired. Uh, parking up at the side of the track that resulted in the BSC Alpha put that down to uh, a technical issue don't really know too much more about that but again not really the way he would have wanted um, his time in F1 to end uh, but he's not got long to wait until he's racing again uh, the new Formula E season starts uh, next month so quite a quick turnaround for him uh, George Russell his final race for Williams also ended in a DNF uh, he got a tear off uh, visor stuck in the airbox and that basically caused uh, yeah further issues to come from there caused the loss of power that uh, meant he retired from the race uh, he came and spoke to us shortly before the end so before everything really kicked off and uh, this is when Hamilton was about 14 or so seconds clear and I said to him do you reckon Lewis will hold on and he said yeah I think he's got this like he's, he's looking all right and uh, Max said that he wouldn't have caught Lewis so yeah I think George would have been right there um, I said to him like what are you going to do tonight your last race with Williams and everything a few beers with the boys and he was like oh, yeah well I can't go too crazy I'm in the car for Mercedes next week so we, we shall see but uh, yeah that was Russell and uh, Kimi Raikkonen we've touched on uh that's all 20 that's the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that is thank you so so much for that Luke bit uh bit more intense than usual I apologize but there was just too much to chat about today now before I let you guys go obviously usually I'd be putting you on the spot about something but today I want to know your favorite race of the season and your driver of the season ha <laughs> yeah you weren't expecting that were what's you? happened this year <laughs> wow Gosh. Favourite um, race and driver of the season. Uh, for my race of the season, I am going to pick the Hungarian Grand Prix, I think, just for the sheer craziness of it, for the start line drama, for the Hamilton, uh, yeah, having to go all the way to the back of the field for his fight through for Esteban Ocon's shock victory being hounded the whole way by Sebastian Vettel uh, when you had yeah Alonso arms out making sure Hamilton couldn't get past and that was really really exciting uh, yeah I thought that was a real thriller um, Russian Grand Prix as well I mean that was that was amazing also um, I, I'm I'm tempted to actually change my answer now oh to the Russian God, Grand Prix, but can I have two? <laughs> you can, can have two. two. Okay, thank you. I'll go for those two. Uh, driver of the season. Um, 
I will say I will say Max Verstappen, which may be quite an easy one because he is the world champion. Yeah. But honestly, you look at his record through this season, he's been on the podium in all but four races. Three of those he retired for one from um the fourth one was Hungary where he got biffed at the start and finished ninth. Uh, he's never finished third this season, it's always first or second when he's been on the podium. Honestly, just an incredible campaign. He's had so few low moments. And I know there have been sort of questions about driving stance and all of that. But just what a season from our new world champion. Thank you, Luke. Jess, have you had a moment to decide? I think Brazil is going to be my favourite race. I think just just how, how crazy it was and that, you know, I know a lot of people want to say well Lewis had a new power unit and that was and had such an advantage that it wasn't any fun but we still had to watch him charge through not once but twice driver driver is really hard I think yeah I mean you have to you have to give it to Max Verstappen like had if you look through kind of the the points at which he was massively massively unfortunate he'd have tied up this championship weeks ago you know months ago maybe even um and, you know, if it wasn't for the craziness that was kind of not his fault, Hungary punted out, Baku, tyre blowout, you know, those were potentially season-clinching um, victories that were taken away from him. So you, know, you can't you can't fault him. There we have it. There we have it. That concludes our final race podcast of the season. It is... 2am here we hope you have enjoyed the podcast luke jess thank you so so much for not just today but all of your contributions through the year it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you guys through this wild wild season i'll let you go now so that you can unwind get to bed or have a drink first maybe uh but that's all from us thank you so much for coming with us on this journey through the 2021 season max verstappen is your world champion and that's the pod done until 2022. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.